Amen. Once again, we're so glad that you have decided to join us for worship this morning. Uh, just a, again, just a reminder, there are many ways that you can connect with us at First Church during this uh uh, COVID-19 crisis. Uh, we are not uh, here worshiping uh, in the sanctuary this morning besides a small group of us that are here to, to make this happen. Uh, but you can, of course, uh, choose to listen in on the radio, uh, follow us on Facebook Live, uh, or also uh, after the service is completed, we'll post the audio uh, for the service to our website. So there's many ways that you can get connected, stay involved, and that we can, as a church family, continue to worship together during this difficult time. A reminder also that bulletin for the service is online on our website. If you'd like to follow along with the order of worship and uh, the lyrics for the music this morning is in the bulletin as well. Uh, You can get on our website, firstchurchnk.org, and download that and follow along with us this morning. Also today, there's some new stuff out there for us as a church to continue to connect and grow together. Uh, There is a new scripture reading plan included in the bulletin for this week. Uh, The theme this week is on hope and the hope that we have in Christ even during uncertain times. Uh, That scripture plan is in the bulletin and will also be posted on Facebook later today. Our new Sunday school class is also up on our uh, on our website or excuse me our Facebook page as well. Uh, if you're uh, got a child and you're in the Sunday school classes, uh, you should have received a packet in the mail earlier this week with some uh, some materials to go go over with your kids. And the new video is posted this morning, and they will continue to be posted on Sunday mornings as long as we are uh, having church together in this format. One other announcement I do want to make uh, for us this morning, Uh, we will be hosting, or excuse me, the Red Cross will be hosting uh, their next blood drive here at the Ministry Center in First Church. That's April 10th uh, from 12 to 6 p.m. They usually do their blood drive at the American Legion here in town, uh, but due to space restrictions and the need to spread out more due to the coronavirus epidemic, uh, they are going to utilize our space in the Ministry Center instead. Uh, so uh, if you're able to, I encourage you to, to give blood, especially, again, during a time like this. There's no better time to do that. Uh, there's other announcements and, and information in the bulletin. Once again, I encourage you to take a look at that if you're able to. Uh, this time we are going to uh, begin our worship this morning by re- looking at Psalm 63. David writes, You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you, in a dry and parched land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and your glory, because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I will be fully satisfied as with the richest of foods. With singing lips my mouth will praise you. On my bed I remember you. I think of you through the watches of the night. Because you are my help, I sing in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your right hand upholds me. Those who want to kill me will be destroyed. They will go down to the depths of the earth. They will be given over to the sword and become food for jackals. But the king will rejoice in God. All who swear by God will glory in him, while the mouths of liars will be silenced. Our first praise song this morning is a new one for us. It is entitled Better, and it's the words are drawn right from Psalm 63. Your love is certainly better than life, and that is true in the good times and in the hard times. Let's sing better together.
Amen. This time, Pastor Tori is going to be coming forward for our children's chat. All right. Good morning, kids. Hope you guys are all doing well and had fun on your bear hunts this week. We saw a lot of you. So today we're talking about persevering through hard things. And one thing that is hard for me is lifting weights. I am not super strong, uh, but I've decided that it's time for me to get stronger. And so in order to do that, I need some weights, right? So I have an 8-pound weight and I have a 15-pound weight. So as you can see, the 8-pound weight isn't really that heavy, right? I could probably lift this and not get tired out for a little while. Um, And it wouldn't make me very strong if I just kept lifting this, right, over and over again, because it's really easy for me to do. So I probably wouldn't get a whole lot stronger from it. The only way that I can get stronger is if I lift this 15-pound weight, which is a little more challenging um, because it's a lot heavier, right? And so I get stronger the more I lift this one, the more I persevere, even though it hurts sometimes. You know, lifting weights can hurt our muscles and tire us out. Um, But when we push ourselves and when we persevere through the hard things, it makes us stronger. And, you know, life is like that, too. Some people want everything to be easy in life, right? Uh, they, want, they don't want troubles. We don't, they don't want hardships. But, you know, the Bible tells us that hardships are a good thing. James um, 1, 2 through 3 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. So oftentimes when we go through hard things, in those moments, our faith is strengthened, right? We start working our faith muscles and depending on God, and it helps us get through those difficult times. So when a hard time comes our way, uh, we can exercise our faith and put our trust in God and know that he is always going to handle it, always going to help us. And then later on down the road, when something else pops up, something else that's hard comes up, uh, we can put our trust in him and keep on trusting in him, knowing that he's going to get us through it. So the more we do that, the more we exercise our faith and we get a lot stronger. So just like I want to get stronger by lifting this really heavy weight, right? Let's exercise our spiritual muscles too and place our faith in God every single day and trust him in the hard times and that'll help us strengthen our faith. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you tell us that hard times, although they're not fun, they're good for us, Lord, that they're good for strengthening our faith in you. Lord, I pray that during this hard season, Lord, of us being apart and things looking different, that you would help us to exercise our faith, to strengthen our faith, to lean on you um, and lean into what you have for us this season. We love you and we thank you for this time. Amen. Thank you, Tori. As we go to the Lord in prayer this morning, I want to encourage you to continue to be praying for uh, the situation that we find ourselves in. This past week, our scripture readings for our weekly, uh, weekly devotionals were all about prayer, all about praying and not giving up, about going to the Lord and seeking him out um, for help, for dependence, and to, to lean on him. So I want to encourage you to continue to do that. Uh, prayer is such an important thing at all times, but it's especially important when we face new challenges and, and, and our lives are disrupted as they have been these last couple weeks. And so I want to encourage you to continue to pray for our community, pray for our leaders, 
Pray for those in the healthcare industry that are, that are on the front lines working in hospitals and doctor's offices, as well as those who are working to develop uh, tests and medicines for, for uh, the coronavirus. So uh, there's a lot to be praying for, and I encourage you to continue to lift up those things in prayer. And of course, be praying for one another. Uh, we, all of our lives have been affected by this one way or another, and so, so we all need to, to lift each other up and encourage one another in that way. And so, uh, so pr- please continue to be praying for each other, uh, and of course be praying for, um, for opportunities, opportunities to show the love of Christ, opportunities to, uh, speak, speak words of comfort and hope into people's lives. Uh, often, and as we see in our passage here today from James, um, you know, we go through hardships, you go through struggles, but it is not without hope. Uh, and I encourage you, and as we, as we, come together as we worship God this morning to, to lean on him, to be praying for each other, and to be lifting each other up in prayer. And so let's do that together now. Father God, I thank you that we have this privilege, we have this opportunity, that though we are separated physically from our church family, from friends, Lord, that we can come together as one body in worship and in prayer. I thank you for the gift of technology that makes this possible. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to be on the radio, to reach many people in that, uh, through that venue. Thank you for um, the gift of Facebook Live and the technology to, to, uh, to, to participate in worship that way, Lord, that although we are separate, we are united together in one body in Christ. And Lord, help us to, to uh, know that and experience that in new and fresh ways this week as we, as we gather in this way to worship. Help us to, uh, Lord, sense the, the presence of your spirit as well and, and know that you are with us, that, that though this is new and different, you are here and you are present in this place and you are present with all your people wherever they may find themselves. Lord, we lift up our, our nation, our world at this time. Uh, we ask for your guidance and our, your wisdom for our leaders on a national and state and local level. Uh, for, for decisions that need to be made, Lord, we pray that they would be made in the best interest of the, the health and safety of our communities. We ask, Lord, for, for strength and perseverance for those that are, that are on the front lines, our doctors, our nurses, our healthcare workers, our uh, hospitality, Lord, that are in those areas. Uh, we ask for, for strength. We ask that you would bless them at this time and encourage them as they face uh, difficult days. And we ask also, Lord, for healing for all those that, are, that have contracted this virus and are, are suffering from, uh, from the disease, Lord. Uh, we ask for healing, for strength, for their, their body, in particular their lungs and their heart. Lord, we ask that you would uh, move and, and be known and be, be present, Lord, in all those situations. Lord, we pray for our church that you would give us opportunities to be the body of Christ, to be uh, a light in a, in a dark world, Lord, uh, in this time. Lord, give us opportunities to spread the gospel, to show the love of Christ, and to make an impact for your kingdom in the place that you have, you have, you have put us, whether that's New Knoxville or the surrounding communities or elsewhere, Lord. Give us opportunities to, to share the gospel and to share the love of Christ wherever we may be. Lord, we ask for strength and comfort for those that are experiencing difficult times as uh, we know that you are at work and you are moving, even in our worst days. Uh, so will you lift up uh, Red and Annette Cook, uh, Lord, in the loss of their son? We ask that you bring them strength and comfort and even peace, Lord, during this difficult time. Lord, we ask for all the strength and peace and comfort for all those who have lost loved ones recently. Uh, and, and we ask, Lord, that you would 
uh, you would just make yourself known and you would be present and that your love and your grace and your peace would be experienced in new ways. We pray all these things in the name of Christ who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us not for, forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. I invite you to sing our next song. It's number five in our blue hymnals. The words, again, are in the bulletin for you. Uh, Be exalted, O God.
Even during times like this, there is so much we have to be thankful for, so much that we can praise God for. And so we want to take a moment in the service now and just praise him and thank him through prayer uh, for all that he's done. One of the ways that we can give back to God, one of the ways that we can show him our gratitude and our thanks is by by giving him offerings, by 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 sacrificing um, of ourselves, of, of giving back in the ways that he has blessed us. And so I want to encourage you to continue to do that, even during this time where we are, are separated and we can't physically collect an offering here at the church. I want to encourage you to continue to give. And, and um, as a point of thanksgiving, we are so grateful for your generosity as a church family this past week. You continue to give, and we are so thankful and grateful for that. Um, God has certainly uh, bless this church with a lot of very generous people, and we are so grateful, uh, and I, I am grateful to to be a part of that. Uh, so we can, uh, just as a reminder, you can continue to give by, by mailing in or, or dropping offerings off here at the church office. Anything you bring in can be counted towards our offering for this week. Um, there's also the option to give online through our website, firstchurchnk.org. You can log on there and give uh, online, set up regular giving or just give one-time gifts. Uh, we also have text giving set up again this week, and, and we are doing that. Um, we're calling that our virtual blue jug. For those of you who are part of our church family and are right here, we, you know that, that there are times in the year where we set out uh, literally just a blue water jug uh, up front as, a, as an extra offering. Um, those are usually done in times of need. If there's a natural disaster, we can give towards for, uh, for uh, relief work or those sorts of things. Um, and so during this time, we want to uh, continue that kind of tradition uh, by, by having a virtual blue jug. And that can be done uh, by texting uh, through text giving. This week, we want to be able to support our daily bread, the soup kitchen in Lima. Uh, they are continuing their ministry during this time. Uh, they know that uh, the work they do is important. And, and for many people, that is the only um, uh, one of the only opportunities they get to, to get a meal. And so they want to continue to provide that even during this time. And so we want to support them in that ministry. So if you'd like to give to Our Daily Bread, you can text First Church NK ODB and uh, a dollar amount, so example, $20, to 73256 in order to give towards that ministry. Anything that is given through text giving this week will go to support uh, the Our Daily Bread uh, soup kitchen in Lima, Ohio. Uh, the information, again, if you didn't catch that, is, is in that bulletin online on our website. Uh, I encourage you to take, that opportun- take an opportunity to do that. Uh, let's take a moment and, again, thank God for his blessings and his generosity. Father God, we are so grateful that you are, you are a giving God. You are gracious and you provide, Lord, for us and in ways that sometimes are unexpected and, and, and through, um, through the regular things like work and, and, and family. And, and so we are so grateful, Lord, that you provide for us in, those, in that variety of ways. And we ask now, Lord, as, as we prepare, whether that's now or later, to give back to you, we ask, Lord, that you would, you would receive these gifts and use them for your glory, for our good, and for the advancement of your kingdom. We thank you for the opportunity and the privilege that we have to give back, Lord. And let us not forget, Lord, that our all good and perfect gifts, Lord, come from you. And anything that we give is simply just a return of what you have already given us. We thank you for these things and pray them in Christ's name. Amen. Our next praise song this morning is Raise a Hallelujah. I encourage you again, once again to follow along or sing along with us. The words are in the bulletin. 
scripture reading today is from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Uh, If you have a Bible with you or something to follow along with scripture or an app on your phone, I encourage you to do that with us this morning. So this is James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations, greetings. Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, 
Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all that they do. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you uh, once again to, to worship you this morning, that we have this privilege, we have this opportunity, Lord, to come before you in, in songs of praise, of thanksgiving, uh, hearing, uh, get, lifting up our, our, our prayers to you, and now with the opportunity to hear from your word. I pray that you uh, bless this time, uh, that, Spirit, you would guide the words that are coming out of my mouth, and that you would soften the hearts of all those who hear. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I have to admit this morning, you know, this week we've been uh, trying to figure out the, uh, you know, trying to roll with the punches, as, as many of you have. Um, and that is true for us here at the church, and in particular trying to, again, figure out what the best way to to worship together is uh, through uh, through this time where we're not able to gather together as a church. Um, we've been trying to, of course, continue the radio broadcast, um, trying to figure out how to how to structure the service in a way that is familiar, but yet acknowledging the fact that that I'm staring at a mostly empty room right now as we as we worship uh, together, uh, and also trying to uh, get this out there the best the way that we can, uh, particular particularly uh, trying something new like with Facebook Live. So I know a lot of you joined us last week. I'm, I have no idea. I'm sure there's some of you that are, that are here with us again this week, and I'm glad that we're able to do that. Uh, but it can also be frustrating at times. I don't know if I it came off, but I was a little, little nervous this morning as we started the service. Up until about seven minutes or so before the service started, we still had no way to connect to Facebook and get that all online. And so we were working together. So I'm very grateful that we were able to do that. And and get that all worked out so that we could worship together here this morning. Um, and, the, and the reason we're doing this is, of course, so that we can continue to to look to God through difficult times. We're going to, again, take a detour from where we were in, in the Gospel of Mark, uh, at least for the one more week, and, and, and take a look at this passage from James, which speaks right into the, the situation that we're in now. In fact, and so often as we read letters in the New Testament, like James, like Romans or First Corinthians, it's often uh, we often kind of skim over the greetings, right? The heading of the of the letter. It's it's uh, traditional in, in that time to for to state who the who the person who wrote it was, uh, who they're writing to, and those sorts of things. And and it can be easy for us to just gloss over. But I want to draw your attention this morning to the greeting here in James chapter one verse one, uh, and and uh, share a little bit with you about that. First of all, the author is, is James, and we, we know from uh, kind of deducing from the rest of the New Testament as well as, as church history that this James is the half-brother of Jesus. Uh, James, uh, during Jesus' life, uh, was not a disciple, not a follower, but, but after the resurrection we see in Scripture that Jesus appeared to James as well as the other disciples and many others, and, and James actually ended up becoming a leader in the Jerusalem church in the book of Acts. And so it is this James, the half-brother of Jesus, that is now writing this letter, it says, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. 
Uh, this is a reference to the fact that God's people at this time had been scattered all over. They were not just located in Israel or Jerusalem in particular, but all over the known world. Um, it was what was called the, the diaspora, that God's people had been scattered primarily as a result of the exile that had happened centuries earlier. God's people had been, had been conquered, had been moved out of their home, and had been scattered throughout the empire. And so here, centuries later, there were still pockets of Jewish believers all over the known world, all over the empire. And they would gather in synagogues for worship because they could no longer go to the temple, which was in Jerusalem. And so it is to these people, these, these Jewish Christians that James is now writing to, uh, the, the people that have been scattered all over uh, the nations. And the reason I bring that up to you today is because, in a sense, we have been scattered, haven't we, as a church, as, as First Church of New Knoxville, but as, as many churches around this nation, around this world, we're not able to gather together physically as we normally would. And so, in a sense, we too have been scattered to our homes, to our own communities, uh, and, and we are no longer to, able to gather together as we usually would. Uh, the church I like to think of as, as being both gathered and scattered. We gather together like we are now, even if it is over the radio and over Facebook Live. We gather together to be encouraged, to, to be lifted up, to learn from God's word, uh, and also to encourage each other. But we don't stop being the church when we leave this place. We don't stop being the church when the Sunday morning service is over. We, we can't. It's, it's perhaps more important now than ever for us to be the church and to continue to be the church as we are scattered around our own communities. The question for God's people in the diaspora and now for us in an age of self-quarantine and social distancing is this. Right? How to remain faithful to God in this new reality we find ourselves in under the changing and unfamiliar circumstances that are now our reality. Our situation may change, but it's important to remember that God does not. He is the con. He is the constant in the midst of our change. In the midst of our trials and of our suffering, He is always there. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so that's who we look to. We hold on to Christ when everything around us is changing, when, when uh, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. The one thing we can know for sure is that God will never leave us nor forsake us, that we can hold on to him in the midst of any trials, any hardship, any suffering that may come our way. And that's what James is pointing us to here. He says in verse 2 that we can consider it pure joy. Some translations say consider it all joy. Right, it may seem kind of kind of strange, right? And he, he puts an emphasis here. It's not just some joy, it's not just a little bit of joy, but all joy, right? And and if you were to look at the original languages, the Greek, the word all joy is actually positioned first in the sentence. Uh, Greek has this ability to to change word order uh, depending on what they wanted to emphasize in a particular sentence. And and so James here, in other words, if we were to translate that directly in English, you'd be saying. All joy, consider it, brothers and sisters. Right? The emphasis there is on the joy we have in the midst of our trials. Right? English doesn't exactly work that way unless you want to go around talking like Yoda all the time. You can't always switch around your word orders. But in Greek, they can do that in order to emphasize it. And that's what James is doing here. He's emphasizing the joy that can be found in our trials. And that's remarkable, isn't it? Remarkable because of the circumstances here, right? It's a paradox. 
two things that seem to be complete opposites, but yet are both true. And we see that all the time in Scripture. Jesus tells us that if we want to gain our life, we must first lose it. And that the first shall be last and the last shall be first, right? Why should believers then be joyful in the face of opposition and trials and suffering? That's the question that James poses for us today. You know what's joyful? Vacations, right? That's joyful. Not having to worry about finances, having a steady job and a steady paycheck, not having to live through a pandemic, that would be joyful. But it says here that we should consider it joy when we face trials of all sorts of kinds. It reminds me of Jesus' words in the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 through 12. At the end of the Beatitudes, uh, Jesus leaves off with this one. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Right? That's just seems, it's, it's paradoxical. It just doesn't seem to make sense. Why should we rejoice when we are facing trials? Why are we blessed when we're insulted? Well, we'll come back to that moment, uh, come back to that question in a moment. First, I want to take a little closer look at the circumstances that James is talking about here. He says that, that this joy he's talking about is experienced when we face trials of many kinds. This phrase here is, is I believe it's, it's the, he's, James is referring to the problems and the obstacles that, that we all face living as a result of living in a sinful and broken world. Right? These oppositions, these trials can be both internal temptations to sin, right? Or also external obstacles that we must overcome. Uh, the New Testament uses this word over and over again, kind of interchangeably for those two ideas, both an internal struggle an internal temptation, and also an external obstacle that must be overcome. The trials that, that James is referring to here are probably in reference to external afflictions, external obstacles, not merely internal temptations. Throughout the letter, James talks about things like illness, financial reversals, and social and economic persecutions. Right? To, to, and so... What James has in mind here is probably those external factors that are causing hardship in a believer's life. Right, we should not be surprised when we face trials of many kinds. Hardship and difficulty are not the exception in life, but they're the norm. They should be the, the, they're the regular and expected experience of a life living in a world broken by sin. And Jesus was pretty clear about this. He said in John 16:33, "In this world you will have trouble, but take heart for I have overcome the world." And then in the high priestly prayer in John chapter 17 verses 13 through 19, as he's praying to the Father on behalf of the disciples, he says this, "I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they, speaking of the disciples, may have the full measure of my joy within them." I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. And here's the key in verse 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. Notice Jesus' prayer here. 
Right? He didn't pray that his disciples would be removed from the world. He knew that they would have trouble. He knew that remaining in the world meant trouble and trials and hardship and persecution. Yet he didn't pray that God would take them out of those things. Instead, he prayed that God would protect them, that God would watch over them. Jesus knew trials himself. Right? Immediately after his baptism, he was led into the wilderness by the Spirit so that Satan would tempt him. Now, again, here's, here's one of those paradoxes again, right? Jesus, there's a connection between commitment to Christ and the trials that we face, right? The temptation of Jesus didn't end with the Father's love and acceptance. It began with it. He was loved and he was accepted by the Father as, as displayed at his baptism. And then immediately he was led into the wilderness to be tempted, there's a connection there. We think sometimes that, 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 we, we, that if we give our lives to Christ, if we do everything we can to follow him, then all of our problems will be solved. But don't buy into the lie that to follow Christ is to experience a problem-free life. Or that if you experience hardship, then he must have done something wrong to deserve it. It is often hardship that wakes us up to our need for God. When the comforts of life and our familiar routines are taken away, that is when you realize, finally, that you can't save yourself and that we never could, right? Self-sufficiency, the easy life, uh, the lifelong honeymoon, right, are all lies that keep us distracted from the truth, the truth that we need God, that we need something beyond ourselves to build our life upon. We need a foundation, the firm foundation of the gospel, or else we'll just sink, right? Think of how Jesus, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, uh, described those who put his words into practice in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. He says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does, does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. Right? If we want to endure, if we want to persevere in the midst of hardship, if we want to find joy in the midst of our trials, then we must build our house on the foundation of Christ. Right? We must build our lives on the, on the firm truth of the gospel. That God loves us, that he sent his son to die for us, and that, that we can now live for him through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? When, we, when we know that to be true, when we, when we believe that is true for us, then that, can, that way we can find joy in the midst of our hardship. So James talks about these various trials, but then he also uses another word in verse 3. Uh, he says that we can expect various trials, a very common word found throughout the New Testament. But then he says that it's the testing of your faith that produces perseverance. And that word testing is different, and, and it's a lot more rare. It's used only here and also in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-7, through 7, which communicates a very similar idea. And there Peter says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief of all kinds, excuse me, in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, 
may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. See, Peter's got that same idea as James here, that, that it is the, the trials that we face that then shows the proven genuineness of our faith, of greater worth than gold. I said that the word is only used one other time in the New Testament, but if you were to look at what was called the Septuagint, which is a, a Greek translation of the Old Testament, translated from Hebrew into Greek uh, a few centuries before the life of Christ, we see this word is used two other times, both in Psalm 12, verse 6, and in Proverbs 27, 11. And in both of those cases, it's used to describe the process of refining gold and silver. It's used to describe the process of, of putting these precious metals through the refining process, putting them through the fire so that the impure is burned away and what remains is even more valuable. What James is saying here is that, that the trials that we face are like that refining process. It, it helps burn away the impurities, helps, helps take away the things that aren't necessary so that our faith can be even stronger, even more valuable, even more pure on the other side of it. Remember, I said I would, I would come back to joy, and I've already hinted at it. And here's the secret. Here's the key that James is trying to explain to us. The reason why we can find joy in the midst of our hardships is because God is at work there. Right? God is using the trials and the temptations, the obstacles that you face to make you mature in Christ. James says that these trials produce perseverance and perseverance must then finish its work so that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Reminds me of Romans chapter 20, chapter 8, verses 28 through 29. Now, I quote this, and it's going to be very familiar words to you, but it's words that I think are often taken out of context and misunderstood, and that's why I want to highlight, highlight them for us today. Paul writes there, he says, We know in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Now note here what this verse is not saying. It is not saying that everything you experience in this life is good. Right? That is certainly not the case. Right? We face hardship. We face trials. We have bad days. Right? It's not saying that all things we experience in this life are good. But it is saying that God can take everything, the good, the bad, and everything in between, and use them for good. You see, that's a, there's a big difference there. And the good is not defined from our perspective, but it's defined by what God says is good. And that's why verse 29 is so important here. Right? What does it mean to, for God to work all things together for good? It means that, that through everything, all of our trials, all of our hardships, even all of our joys, all of the good things in life, all of those things God can work together for the good, which is so that we would be conformed to the image of a son so that Christ would shine through us, so that we would be more and more like him. Right? God is at work in the midst of our trials in order to bring us to a point where we, where we rely on him more, where we are more dependent on him and his grace and his mercy, so that Christ may shine through us more and that our lives will begin to look more like his. That's the good that God is talking about in Romans chapter 8, verses 28 through 29. That's where joy in the face of hardship comes from, knowing that, that God is working even on our worst days to make us more and more like him. 
Now, it's certainly not a finished product, right? I know I'm not a finished product, that there are still things in my life that don't reflect the love of Christ all of the time. But we can have confidence that, that God will continue to work and God will continue to shape us and mold us each and every day and that we are all works in progress till one day we stand before him in eternity. In Philippians 1.6, Paul writes, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it out to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. In other words, until we stand before him in eternity or until Jesus comes back, we are all works in progress. We are not there yet, but the good news is that God is still working in the midst of it. And so that's why we can find joy. That's where the joy comes from, with the knowledge that God is at work. And he's working to produce perseverance in our lives. Some translations say endurance, some say steadfastness, but the idea there is is standing strong in the midst of trials. Uh, One pastor put it this way, perseverance is to our external obstacles and forces as to what patience is to people, right? We are patient with people, but we persevere under trials, right? But it's the same idea there, that we are standing strong and finding our, our strength, not in ourselves, but in Christ, I said that word trials is used a lot, and it's used also in 1 Corinthians 10.13. There Paul writes, No temptation or trial has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. See, that's, again, the promise we have is, is not that we have a pain-free, easy life, but that when we face temptations, when we face trials, we know that in the midst of it, God is faithful. And even there, he is working. And, and so we must rely on him to endure it. There's two other parts in Scripture, and I want to I encourage you to take a look at them. Romans 5, 1 through 5, as well as 2 Peter 5, uh, excuse me, 1, 5 through 8. In both of those passages, it's very similar to what James is getting at here. It's this idea that, that through our trials, through our hardships, God is, is working in us to produce maturity, to produce Christ-likeness. In Romans 5, it talks about how we glory in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame. In 2 Peter 5, he says that we must make every effort to add to faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and produce in you the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, we need to be aware of how God is working and allow him to work in us to produce these fruits of the Spirit, to produce that Christ-likeness in us. As many of you probably have, I've been trying to catch a lot of, as many of uh, Governor DeWine's uh, briefings and updates as I can. And, and one person that's caught a lot of people's attention is Dr. Amy Atkin, uh, the, the director of the Ohio Department of Health. And she said something the other day that caught my attention, and I think it lines up well with what we're talking about here today. She was trying to encourage the people of Ohio, and she said, life is not shutting us down. Life is waking us up. And I think there's something to that there. And that's a, you know, in other words, when we face our trials, when we face hardships, it's not about shutting down. It's not about uh, looking at it from the negative point of view, but looking at it and saying, what is God doing in the midst of this? 
Everything else is falling apart, but what is God, how is God at work here, and how can I become more like Him as a result of these trials that we're going through? That's an important question, and one that James addresses here, right? How do we find joy? How do we persevere? How do we come to maturity? Well, we need to depend on God. We need to depend on Christ. And so he says here, he makes a turn. At the end of verse 4, he says, When you go through these processes you will become mature, complete, not lacking anything. And then in verse 5, he says, but if you lack, right? There's a, there's a connection there. You will become mature, complete, not lacking anything. But if you lack something, then you know you can ask God for wisdom. Right? Trials will bring us to maturity, so, but, but we need to depend on God for that process. None of us are perfect. None of us have this all figured out, and we all lack something. And the promise here is that God wants to supply us what we all lack. The key then is to see God in the, in the, at work in the midst of the suffering. It's a willingness to respond uh, to our hardship and the, faith, and the trust and faith in God, completely and totally relying on Him to supply our needs. Right, nobody wants to go through hardships or nobody, and nobody wants to go through trials. Right? Nobody wants to live through a pandemic, right? The generations before us didn't want to live through world wars, the Great Depression or the Holocaust, right? Nobody wants to get sick or laid off or have a job shut down. Nobody wants to go through those things. But the question isn't whether you want to. The question is, how are you going to respond to it, right? That's the key is how are we going to respond in the face of it? And James here says we respond by depending on God, by coming to him and asking him to work in and through us. And we must believe and not doubt, it says. Doubt is, is the word here for doubt is a, the idea is, is wavering back and forth, to go back and forth between two opinions, to kind of, in a sense, sit on the fence. It's more of a question of allegiance rather than intellectual belief. It's summed up well uh, by the prophet Elijah and his confrontation with the prophets of Baal in 1 Kings 18.21. Elijah went before the people and said, How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. See, that's the kind of doubt, that, that wavering between allegiances that James is getting at here. He describes this person as unstable and double-minded, right? Divided loyalties and thoughts. And so then what is the solution to doubt? How do we get past a, a double-minded attitude? Well, it's becoming single-minded in our thoughts and in our attitude in particular towards loving God. Mark 12:30 says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. So we must depend on Him. We must look to Him for help. Because He does want to help us. Dependence on God, of course, does not absolve us from, from responsibility or taking proper actions during this time. There's a post from a pastor, I think it was credited to someone from Tennessee, he says, I trust God, but I wear my seatbelt. Right? I trust God, and I wear a motorcycle helmet. I trust God, and there, is, and, there are not an, and there are enough life jackets in my boat for everyone on board. I trust God, and I use oven mitts with really hot dishes. I trust God, and I lock my house at night. I trust God, and I have a smoke detectors in my house. I trust God, and I take my prescribed medicines. I trust God, and I will follow the best guidelines to share the task of flattening the curve. Acting with caution and wisdom does not indicate a lack of trust in God. Right? We're called to, to, to fully depend and lean into God 
But James here talks about wisdom, which is the practical application of that trust and of the truth of what we know to be true. Ask God, again, to show you not only how you can depend on him more during this time, but how you can also love your neighbor through this situation. It's been awesome to hear stories of, of how God has been at work recently. Uh, I've talked to many of you over the phone and, and through interactions, and, and, and I've heard stories of people picking up groceries for friends and neighbors and grandparents, people sewing masks because the hospitals are running out of uh, personal protective equipment. Uh, just Thursday night, uh, Main Street and the New Knoxville Fire Department and with the, with the generous donations of individuals in the community delivered hot meals to those that are vulnerable. People praying for each other and asking for prayer. I mean, all of those are so important. All of those are ways that we can then enact and live out the wisdom that God wants to supply to us. I've heard many times in in many situations, and I heard it again this week, I don't know how I would do this without the Lord by my side. See, that's the point. We can't. We can't find joy in our trials. We can't experience peace in the face of adversity. We will never be able to endure if it weren't for the Father's love, if it weren't for Jesus laying down his life for us, and if it weren't for the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. In Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, the Apostle Paul writes, therefore, or excuse me, uh, the author of Hebrews writes, therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray together. Lord God, I thank you that we have Christ to look to at a time like this. That though he faced trials, though he faced temptations, though he faced adversity, he overcame it. He overcame the world. And we thank you for that hope that that because of Jesus, because he overcame, because he embraced the cross with joy, that we too can endure, not because of ourselves, but because of him. So help us, Lord, not to grow weary and not to lose heart. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. I encourage you to to join with us again as we uh, sing our last praise song, another new one, uh, but one that fits perfectly with uh, the closing of our service today. It's Steady Heart.
Again, thank you for joining us for worship this morning. Uh, we pray that you would, um, you were blessed, and we thank you that uh, that you were able to, that we were able to worship together even this way. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace. Amen.